0: At for the last few months, on the subject of habits, and um, and uh, trust that uh, this has been beneficial to you. Uh, and so uh, we're going to Luke chapter four, and that is our foundation passage this morning. And uh, Luke chapter four, and uh, Gilbert, go ahead and read that for us, verses 16 through 19.
1: And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord.
0: Okay, so uh, what we are uh, talking about as we conclude is about establishing good habits. And so uh, our, our approach has been that God has created us to be habit-forming people. That, uh, uh, you know, when you and I make a decision, often enough, pretty soon that decision becomes easy. It becomes our default nature and we tend to go down that road over and over again. Most people think of habits in a negative way, drug addictions, alcoholism, cigarettes, things like that and we tend to associate habits with bad habits because people uh, get involved in these things and repeat them and pretty soon when they want to stop, they find that they cannot stop because these habits are now ruling their lives. Uh, but it's what we're looking at to conclude this Sunday School is that same is true in a positive sense that you can establish good habits by making right choices over and over again so those choices don't have to always be difficult the myth is that right choices are always hard choices and wrong choices are always easy choices well that may be true for many people but it doesn't have to be true for you Probably every Sunday morning that we've talked about this, I've reminded you that uh, the fact that you're here this morning, and for many of you, it wasn't hard to be here, because this is your habit. This is, you you plan your night, Saturday night, decide what time you're going to wake up for the morning, you get yourself ready, you come to Sunday school, and for many of you, it wasn't a big struggle, because this is what you do all the time. Now, there are other people. To decide to get up early and come to morning Sunday school is a struggle, it's a fight, it's a difficulty because they're not in the habit of doing it. Maybe they're in the habit of going to bed at two or three in the morning. And then uh, you know, uh, the idea of getting up early and then getting motivated to come and sit in a a class at 9.45 uh, where they could be doing something else. And so because they're not doing it regularly, same objective, and yet very, very difficult. I was thinking about the first time I went to preach in uh, Argentina, Buenos Aires, Argentina. It was back in 1991. And uh, as you know, Argentina is uh, uh, just right down below us. If you get on a plane and travel about 6,000 miles south, you'll hit Argentina. And they have a very peculiar culture. I was. There last year, it's not. It's not as bad as it once was, but in Argentina, their culture is the culture of the siesta, and that is that people go to work at nine o'clock, everything closes at two o'clock, stays closed for three hours, and you go and you eat and you take a nap, and then all the businesses open to, at, at five again and remain open till nine. And, uh, and so people, dinner hour in Argentina is about 10.30 at night. Most restaurants don't even open up till 9 o'clock at night. And, uh, and so when I went there many years ago, the revival began at 9 o'clock each night. That's what time church was. And then after, I remember on a Saturday night, we, we had church. And then after church, we had a, a street outreach. And then we went to eat dinner about midnight. You go to the restaurants, and they're completely full stagger into your room at two in the morning but nobody had sunday morning sur- they don't have sunday morning services there because of the culture being so uh you know this being the habit the idea of these late hours so churches didn't hold sunday morning services and even our fellowship in the early days and i guess pastor mitchell went down there to preach and you know and they broke the news to him we don't have sunday morning service and he broke the news to them you're going to start having Sunday morning service. Because um, the last time we checked, Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday morning. Even in uh, even Argentina. You know, I remember I had a, a, a guy from there tell me, well, you know, it was Sunday morning in Jerusalem, but that meant time-wise that it was, you know. <laughs> I said, no, bro. No. Sunday morning, Sunday morning. Uh, but what, what, what you had, though, is you had to confront, I mean, a powerful Habit that's all it was it wasn't the devil demons and strong it was a habit it was the way our our time is ordered and so I was there last year I'd been back for 23 years or something I went back last year and and uh, we had church on Sunday morning And everybody was there and uh, and uh, but but that didn't happen it's like hey I I can overrule some habits and I can establish good habits in my life I, I mentioned last week, just to remind you the story of Teddy Roosevelt, who today uh, is known as a great outdoorsman, big game hunter, physical fitness. He's the first president to uh, really champion exercise and physical fitness and, uh, uh, you know, do all of that. Uh, and yet his story was the exact opposite. He was a, he was a mama's boy whose father was never home, Raised as in, in wealth in Manhattan uh, and uh, uh, asthmatic sickly and uh, you know concerned about his health his mother sent him up to New England to spend some time outdoors to help his breathing and he fell in love with the outdoors became inspired by the man who kind of took him under his wing took him on some hikes and he changed his habits he went from being a sickly, weak mama's boy to becoming the champion of fitness and outdoors and uh, all that by a decision of his will, that what I'm going to do is I'm going to change my habits. And today people know him the opposite of what he was because he understood this. You can change your habits. You may not uh, be able this morning to say, you know what, I'm going to dunk a basketball. That's my goal in life, to dunk Maybe if you get a six-foot basket or something like that. uh, You you know, you can't change your gifting. But you can establish good habits to make you productive. You say, man, you can do that. You you, you say, well, I uh, want to be a a great singer. Well, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the case. All right, and so, but, you can say, you know what, I do want to learn to hold a note, or I, I want to learn to play the piano. You may not be able to play it like Stuart Reblin, but you can say, I, I want to do these things because we have this capacity put in us by God. Say, I want to establish some habits. <laughs> a, uh, I, think it was, um, I think it was Paderewski, the great pianist, uh, uh, where he was finished playing and some admirers said to him, I'd give my life to play like you. And he said, ma'am, I did. You know, and so a lot of times you can see people that uh, achieve. We think, wow, you know, they're born that way. You know, they were just graced. And, you know, and we understand that there's such a thing as uh, grace and divine help. But how many know God made us? So that you and I, if we apply ourselves and we go down a certain path over and over again, things begin to make sense. We begin, we begin to get understanding in our lives. They have what they call the 10,000 hour rule, uh, which uh, that if you want to be an expert in anything, it requires about 10,000 hours of labor. And uh, an excellent book uh, by uh, Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers, which he takes that premise that if you apply yourself to something for 10,000 hours, you will reach a level of expertise, and then he takes that template and he applies it to sports, talks about Canadian hockey players, Uh, he applies it to music, the Beatles, he applies it to uh, uh, computers, and he talks about men like Bill Gates, who happen to live in seattle washington at the very moment that the whole idea of computers uh, was beginning to make its way and he happened to go to a junior high school where some of the kids parents were in the pioneering of the whole uh, concept of the home computer and so he just was in the right place at the right time began to be exposed to computers computer terminals began to understand it and at the age of uh, seventh grade uh, got involved with computers and you know, here he is today, Bill Gates, uh, and he makes the case that, that putting in the hours has the ability to say, you know, I can become good at something by applying myself over and over again. So habits don't have to be a bad thing. They don't have to be something you're afraid of, but you can make up your mind. I want to establish godly habits in my life. So I want to talk about that this morning. Anybody who wants to uh, maybe throw in a comment here or a question here before we move on? I see Bridget Harris. I see Rand Harris. Any more Harrises here? Anybody else? Bridget. Okay, and then Josh Steele.
2: Okay. So when I was younger, I was actually a pretty decent tennis player before, um, before a back disease knocked me out of the game. But. Uh, um, I I would win all these tournaments, but I had a really weak spot, which was my backhand. But because I had such a good forehand, my backhand, which was my weakest part of the game, was was manageable. And so I went, you know, three years, four years with a horrible, horrible backhand, still almost, you know, number one in Ventura County. And and so then what happened was I, I wanted to take up the game again. And so I'm like, well, Patrick's had all these lessons. I'm gonna let him teach me. And I said, I want to start with the weakest part of my game, which is my backhand. And he goes, Great, we're gonna break all your bad habits. And I'm like, What the <laughs> And so he's like and so and so I had never realized to, you know, do something like that. Attack, attack, attack. Know what you're doing. No, no, move forward on the ball. And all of this stuff. It was like it was painful, it was hurting. It was but it was it gave me a revelation that if I could if I could conquer this. Then it caused me to start looking at the areas of my business. I'm like, okay, what's the weakest part of my business? Oh my gosh, it's this. It's your laziness. You can't run a business being lazy in this area. You can't. And then, of course, it caused me to look at my spiritual life. And when you do that, say, okay, I'm going to conquer the weakest area of my spiritual life, especially with a fast coming up. It's amazing when you say, I'm going to look at the weakest areas of my life, and I'm going to go after them the same way I would go after this tennis ball. The same way I'm going to go after this. It gives you a whole new revelation of yourself and you're like, Oh my gosh, I really am like this and I'm gonna do everything to conquer this. And it was because just it just came out of it just a simple thing, just okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat this weakest part of my game and then business church my my relationship with God. And and I anyway it just gave me a whole new revelation about if I can do this then it improves every other
0: area of my life. Yeah, very good. You know, they say that um, uh, a lot of times, these companies, uh, when I uh, I think this is true. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can correct me or add to it. But uh, that when Toyota opened up here their plant here, they weren't looking for auto workers from other companies to staff their plant because they wanted to teach them the habits of a Toyota an op- Toyota operation. And they found that a lot of times these people come from Detroit and other places and. Th- This is how we did it at Ford. This is how we did it at GM. And they had to find out that before you can train them, you have to untrain them. And uh, like Bridget's saying, is that a lot of times, you know, we have certain habits and tendencies. And uh, in order to establish new habits, you have to a lot of times realize that what you've been doing all this time, or maybe your, your comfort level, your comfort zone, is not necessarily a good habit. And and have to confront that. And say, wow, you know what I, you know, I thought this was I thought I was doing great. I thought that this was the way it's supposed to be. And then someone would come along and say, no, 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 don't do it that way. Uh, how many know that can be a bit uh, humbling? Brent?
3: Um I'm always careful about making marriage comments just because I know I've only been married six months. But um, <laughs> Uh, I remember we were coming back from our honeymoon. We had just a, a great time in Cancun, and we were flying back uh, to San Antonio's late Friday night, and, uh, and then the person that picked us up wanted to fellowship with us till midnight, and, um, and so I remember we, we were leaving Waterbury, and it was our first time as a married couple going to our apartment, and, uh, and I remember I told Sarah, I was like, we're going to morning prayer, and, uh. And so, I, every, everything inside me didn't want to, I mean, we had every excuse, we had just come back for our honeymoon, we were newlyweds, but I said, we're going to we're going Saturday morning prayer. And uh, sure enough, we woke up 7.30 in the morning, we went to morning prayer, and, uh, and uh, that was the first Saturday, and, and since then we haven't missed any. And not only that, that led us to Monday morning. Okay, even though this is our first week, even though you still, even though you still have a few days uh, off from work, we're going to go to morning prayer. And uh, we established a morning prayer Monday through Friday uh, or Monday through Saturday. We're going to meet morning prayer. And we look back six months later, and there's only been a handful of times that we missed it. And uh, and I, I look back and I said, you know what? There's things that we established in our, in our marriage, good habits. And it's worked great for us. And I'm so grateful that I said, you know what? Even though we had every excuse, even though we could have said, you know, we don't, we don't need to go to morning prayer. You know, this is self-righteousness and this and that. I said, no, we are going to go. And and the blessing that our marriage has because of this simple decision, just to go to morning prayer. Yeah,
0: good,
4: very good. Uh, kind of on a, a humorous note, just the power of a habit. Uh, when I first started my job, we were really having troubles getting uniforms for me, and I couldn't really. And do what I wanted to do uh, without a uniform. And so uh, we had a person just leave the company, and and, uh, that person happened to be a female. And so I said, you know what, just try on her shirt, see what happens. Uh. And so half-jokingly, I went in, I tried it on, and I could not for the life of me button that shirt. Uh, Female buttons are on the opposite side, and I'm sitting there for five minutes trying to Put a button through a hole. And, I, and it was right when we started the Sunday school, I'm like, that's the power of a habit. Yeah. And so on that note, you know, sometimes you establish good things in your life. And uh, uh, you do it over and over and over again. And it becomes nearly impossible to do something against that. Um, going with your family, when, when uh, people are trying to make you do things that you're not comfortable with, it, it's easy to say no when all you've ever done is said No.
0: And so it's a power. That's uh, encouraging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if you would have been very, able to button good. that thing up without thinking, that'd have been a bad thing. There. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Um, so let's let's talk about then some basics here. What are some habits that we should establish now as Christians? Because we could talk about good habits that inform our Christian life. And you should be a hard worker. And you should get up early and a penny saved is a penny earned, and, and all of that. But I wanted to talk about some uh, habits that every one of us should establish in our lives uh, and and fight for them. And I understand I'm talking to mature Christians and people that have been around a while, but truth is you can be a churchgoer and still have a lot of bad spiritual habits. And, and you can just say, well, you know, I'm not like that. I'm not super spiritual. And... You know, or this and that, but when it comes down to it truthfully, it's because we just haven't made it a habit. And the thing is that when you do these good habits, like uh, our sister was saying, when I decided just to establish this, and, and the habit wasn't so much how do I improve my tennis as much as saying I want to deal with weak spots in my life. And for years I've oh, I, because I so successful in this area i compensate for maybe this area knowing well this isn't my strong suit but i'm so good at this i can get away with it and then but say no no that's a habit and so uh let's just get these verses this morning and uh we'll uh uh look uh let's see here um uh, galatians 5:16. if you want to read lift your hand this morning tony get that for us uh Mark 1:35, Mark 1:35, Zach, Daniel 6:10, Daniel 6:10, Chris, uh, uh, Dan Yoder, uh, Luke uh, 4:16, Daniel, Cortez, uh, Hebrews 10:25, and then one more, John 13:4 through 15. This is the long one. Okay, uh, Josh Picchardo. All right, now uh, let's talk about. Uh, from establishing some good habits uh, and, and let's begin with Galatians
5: 5.16 I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh.
0: This is what we left off last week. Walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. I mean it, to, to, to win in the Christian life is to learn how to walk in the spirit. Remember what we said last week, walking in the spirit is, transcends hype and emotion and feeling. It's good to feel good. It's great to be excited. I love uh, excited. I appreciate when I'm preaching and people say amen and this lets me know you're awake. And uh, I enjoy, I, you know, I, I, I like that like anybody else. Everybody has an ego and everything else. But the truth is that if you're going to serve God over the long haul, it's going to be because of your walk. It's something that you do every day, something that you do unconsciously, that you just, you just carry yourself, and you've established some things in your life. That's, it's the walking in the spirit. A lot of times we people associate the spirit with the emotion and the energy, but uh, in, the, in the long run, it's going to be walking in the spirit. Enoch, the Bible says, walked with God. He walked with God for 300 years and then God took him. So this was not the hype or the emotion, but it was a decision to establish a regular daily pattern. And the Bible says that victory over the flesh and over the lusts of the flesh has more to do with establishing godly habits or walking in the spirit than anything else let me say that again that victory over our flesh and may i remind you this morning that your flesh is no better than it was than the day before you were saved okay? that christians are not rehabilitated they're regenerated that means that god has established a new seed his life inside of us It's like my backyard right now. I don't know why, but my backyard is half St. Augustine, beautiful green grass. The other half is not. The other half is beautiful green weeds. And uh, there they are, and there's this great cosmic struggle going on right now in my backyard. Between, I I don't know how, I don't know why, but, but the truth is, that's a pretty good picture of how Christians are. We've got some... Uh, beautiful green life of God promises uh, the incorruptible seed working in us you're not the man or woman you used to be thank God you're changed you're transformed but how many know there's some weeds in there no there's some tears among the wheat there's some there's some things that are still there and victory over your old nature I, I mean it's great to come and hear a holy ghost sermon and come here and lay hands on you, you know what I mean? And you've uh, renounced and break this and uh, and, 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 and I'm not minimizing. there. That has its role. That moves us down the field. I understand that. But it's all said and done. You're going to discover that it is the establishing of godly habits that will give you the greatest level of victory in your life over your old nature. That to come... And to be in a dynamic church service, uh, go off to a conference uh, and and do these things is great. But if you leave and there are not established in your life habits, godly habits, then uh, it's like uh, your team that scores 100 points but gives up 150 points. You're playing no defense. There has to be, in you say, you know what, I must have this in my life. No, I've preached many, many years and I've met various personality types and I've met people that when they're doing good they do great. I mean they're that's you know on fire and everything, they have prayer meetings. I mean they'll just get down on there and pray for an hour, top of their lungs, veins sticking out, you know, just just you know, everything there and yes, amen. I think of a young man I know from another place. I've known him since he was about eight years old. And uh, I remember after uh, being out for a while, going back, and, uh, you know, I, he's now an on-fire front row. I remember before the service would start, he would stand up and start clapping. I mean, like this guy, street preaching, reaching out to young men. And then I come back, and where, where is he? Well, he'll be out next year. So then, you know, I come back, and he's out back front row excited you know come back well, well he's he'll be he, he's back in but he'll be out you know and, and the thing is that's one thing to say but I'm talking about for 20 years it's been like that that's the last time I was in conference he was there and I was talking to him he's no longer a 15 or a 25 year old this brother's now in his mid-40s eat down they hardly look at me and I mean, I felt, I felt a real compassion for the guy, but, but this uh, for all of his excitement and energy, somehow never translated into some good habits. You're going to have to have, and that is going to hold back the torrent of your flesh. still wants to operate, say, "I must have in my life some good habits. Okay, three very obvious habits I want to talk, touch on this morning, and I'll appreciate your uh, good input. First of all, establish in your life the habit of prayer. Going to have to, Prayer has to become your habit. Prayer does not have to be a struggle. I know that the, uh, when the moment that you even mention prayer, all you have to say is let's bow our heads and give an altar call, and everybody comes forward. Because every honest person wishes their prayer life could be better than it is. We all know that. Somebody said the most embarrassing thing that will happen when we get to heaven is to see how little we pray. And so everybody struggles with this. But the truth is that prayer can become a default. Something inside of you that feels the deep need to pray and to seek his face. The person that I would worry about is not the person who feels like, man, I need to pray more and gets convicted. It's the person who feels no need to pray at all. Doesn't bother them. Doesn't even cross their mind. Doesn't even, they don't wake up in the morning, I, I need to pray. and I need to, but, you know, can go three, four days, weeks and, and never feel this deep compulsion to pray. I don't know about you, but Beloved, but there are sometimes times I, I can't wait to pray. I need to pray. Sometimes, you know, in various settings, you know, I'm making my way, and uh, can I talk to you? Or you and, and you want to talk to him and all that, but there's a part of you that says, I got to, sometimes I'm, okay, I'll talk. I got to go pray. In fact, the holy point is talk to me right now. I need to pray. I can't help you. And 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 have that inside of you. Mark one thirty-five.
6: Now, in the morning, having ra- risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed.
0: We know that this couldn't have been just a one-time thing. I'm not going to belabor you. I preached on it. But praying in the morning was Jesus' habit. Praying in the morning, and you'll find if you were to go through the Bible that that wasn't just Jesus' habit. That was a, a habit or an understanding. Uh, uh, that, uh, uh, that people had and that is that the best time to pray was in the morning for obvious reasons you start your day off put your head in order get things right it is in morning prayer that you the bible says his mercies are fresh every morning uh, you know you are the most productive in the morning you know that you don't know that your boss knows that you get more work out of somebody in the morning time than in the afternoon This is the time to engage yourself. Uh, 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 Do not uh, lose morning prayer in your life. And the way most people lose morning prayer in their life is because they stay up too late the night before. Right? We know that. Thank you, Instagram. Thank you, Facebook. Amen? Thank you, Internet. And that's why, and, and, you know, that is what is killing most people's victory over morning prayer is there being dragged deeper in the night in the age of technology no they're back in the Bible days they were farmers they were agrarian they just lived by the Sun Sun came up they were up Sun went down they went to sleep Jesus even said men were to sleep by night raised by day that's what the Bible says and, and everybody understood that today with lights now, particularly with technology, what that's done is grabbed human beings and dragged them deeper and deeper into the night. When they're tired, when their will is willpower has been uh, dissipated, and uh, all that energy and uh, uh, you know strength and willpower that cause you to go to work or maybe to, to go jog around the block or do whatever you do, by the time it's 11 o'clock at night, all of that is gone. Uh, and uh, the devil simply comes out uh, like a a boxer who is spent in the ring and he just comes out now and you've lowered your guard, you can't even keep your hands up anymore and he starts pounding on you with all kinds of temptations and stuff that at 9 in the morning weren't even an issue. Now at 11 o'clock at night they're an issue. He begins to hammer you and the tragedy is a wonderful opportunity like the Lord Jesus to pray. Lost. And so, establishing that, saying, you know what, I, I I need to do this. I can. I'm going to make a habit. And we can all say, yeah, I need to pray more. Let's all resolve to pray more. Hey. But what if you resolved to dedicate your morning to prayer? To say to yourself, okay, this this time. I mean, you have your own calendar, your schedule. People work at different hours, and. And all of that I understand that but but to be able to say okay whatever my schedule is that I'm going to have time for morning prayer in my life I'm going to do what Jesus said and I'm going to establish this in my life and have this discipline and this habit in my life if you can come here in the morning we, the building here is open at 5 a.m. why because there are guys who go to work at 6 and have chosen to come to here to pray. And, and thank God that we have that. And that's great. But even if you couldn't, you said, in the morning, I'm going to establish this habit. And you might have to get out your machete and cut through the jungle. That's been growing for 20 years of not praying. And it might be hard for a little while, but I promise you that if you do it regularly pretty soon a path will begin to grow uh, will begin to develop there and it will become your deep and it's not too late you don't have to say well you know pastor i mean i'm already 26 and uh, you know it's, life has passed me by i'm an old dog you know and uh, you you can do this patrick
5: one of the one of the most like grateful things i am for Like what my mom instilled in my brother and I growing up is from as early as I can remember, even elementary school, is every single morning we'd wake up and we'd come here and I'd be like sleeping on the floor and like all the way through elementary school and then into middle school, come here every single morning before school, we'd come to morning prayer. And so as I got older, I would actually like start praying instead of just sleeping and stuff. But then even even like when I joined basketball and practice would start, at seven o'clock in the morning, I was like, okay, we're not going to have to get there because it starts at the same time as prayer. And my mom was like, oh no, we're going to go to prayer from like 6.15 to 6.45 and then we'll go to school like, every single morning. And so I'd get up earlier and earlier and even mornings where I was sick and I would just say, I'm going to stay home and pray here. She would make sure that like I set at least 30 minutes aside at home. She would like say, put your phone away, put this way, we're going to sit down and pray. And so growing up, it was instilled in me day after day after day, even when you didn't want to do it, we'd still come here. And now I look, Brent's married. He, every single morning, we still see each other here at Morning Prayer. And it's to the point now where, like if one of the, one of the other mornings, I, had to, I was driving up to Austin uh, for practice, and so I didn't come to Morning Prayer. And Brent calls me. He's like, hey, where are you at? Is everything okay? Just from not showing up to Morning Prayer one morning. And it's the same thing. If I don't see him, like I'll call, you know, and so it's, we're to that point to where it's not even second, a second thought in the morning. So, and so I would just encourage people if it gets, when you come every morning, it's pretty much the same faces every single morning, which just proves that it's just building that habit. Because every single time I come here, I see the same 10, 10 to 12 people every single morning. And it's encouraging too, because it builds an accountability into your life. So where once you develop that habit, people will keep you accountable to keep it, and it will really help you out.
0: Well, I'm running out of time, but I'll I, I tell you what. Let me just throw this in. You know, when I was a young pastor, way back in the early 80s, uh, we had seen a revival in Las Vegas. We had a lot of young men. And I remember uh, we'd have morning prayer and I had all these young guys. And so you got to understand Las Vegas, New Mexico, nobody worked. I mean, unemployment rate was like 15%. And our church, it was like 50%. Uh, And so there were these young guys there, you know, they were young and stuff, but they didn't, they didn't, I don't know how this came about, but we wanted a prayer. And so I wanted these guys to pray. And so what we would do is we would get up early in the morning and we would meet and then we would go drag these guys out of bed to bring them to morning prayer. And uh, the parents would, you know, some of them were teenagers and the parents were like, oh, we want our son to pray. And so, you know, and I don't recommend this, but I mean, we would go in and the guy would be sound asleep and we would jump him and, uh, and drag him literally out of his bed and shame him into getting dressed and take him to morning prayer. I don't do that anymore, you know, because you got to want to do it. Your prayer, you cannot build a habit unless you're willing to say, I want that. Now, do I feel like doing it? Absolutely, I feel like doing it. You know, I remember uh, some of the things we did, but you, you know, you've got to somehow, you've got to want it, okay, when uh, uh, Patrick says, well, I'm a kid, my mom made me, but he's not a kid anymore, and so it's something inside of you, I say, I want this, Daniel 6, verse 10,
5: and when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with the windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his god as was his custom since early days
0: so so we know that daniel knew that they have outlawed prayer these uh uh uh, jealous envious uh political hacks were upset that daniel was being promoted they hired a private investigator went to the nsa and uh, listened to every cell phone conversation, read all his emails. And the uh, only thing that they found when the, when the uh, PI came back, said, well, according to our investigation, he prays a lot. That's all we found. That's encouraging. And, uh, and uh, so they said, OK, how can we use this intelligence against him?" And so they said, well, let's go to the king and say, you know, king, you're a god. So let's just make a law that for 30 days, nobody's allowed to pray to anybody but you. What a stupid law. But what a vain king. And he agreed to it. And so he signed this law. And and the law was if anybody prays to anybody but me for 30 days, you're going to be thrown to the lions. I mean, it's like, what's wrong with you? And so as soon as they, they maneuvered this guy and he signed the law... And, uh, and according to their law, uh, once the law was given, they couldn't be rescinded. And so they immediately uh, uh, were waiting, and they trapped Daniel with secret microphones and cameras and everything else. Um, and, uh, and Daniel, knowing this, uh, but the guy's habit is so strong to pray that he can, the idea of not praying for 30 days is ludicrous. You know, in our mind, you would, you know, it's okay, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to just get into my closet where nobody can see, you know. What are you doing? I'm just, you know, like when people are embarrassed to pray over their food in public. You know, what, are you okay? Yeah, something in my throat. And uh, he, he, the Bible says he throws open the window, kneels towards Jerusalem, and begins to pray knowing full well that all of these people are watching. Why? Because that was his custom. Because the habit of prayer was so strong in him that under great duress, in Daniel's mind, it's not the time to stop praying, it's the time to start praying. You know the old saying that people are like tea bags you only know what they are in hot water. You know, when you're under pressure, whether or not you are a prayer is going to come out. I've seen people uh, who I never see in morning prayer until a crisis of life hits, and there they are. Grabbing hold of the horns of the altar, and that's a good thing. I believe that before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I've kept your word. I know affliction can inspire us to pray, but let me just throw this at you. Wouldn't it be a more wonderful thing that when crisis hits, you already have that in place in your life? And he, 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 the Bible says he prayed. I need to move along. Second habit that you should establish in your life is the habit of coming to church church ought to be a habit. Ought to be a habit. It ought to be, it ought to, it ought to be uh, not uh, an occasional thing every once in a while, but a very important habit. Luke four sixteen.
7: So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read.
0: Okay. Now, we have been using this verse where the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus went to the synagogue as his custom was. I, we have used this as our foundation uh, passage for this, verse, uh, uh, for this Sunday school because Jesus was in the habit of going to synagogue. This, this, you know, when we look at his life, we see the habit of prayer and we see the habit of assembly that's in him now you might say well come on pastor this was uh, you know Israel 2,000 years ago well that would that would be easy to do Well, just because it was something that everybody did doesn't mean it was wrong the idea of assembly was something that had been ingrained in that culture and thereafter for many many other cultures of people that have said you know what I'm going to give God time in my life and I'm going to assemble is something that had been practiced uh, for many many centuries we are living kind of an unusual age in the last 50 years here in America where you have a lot of Christians who no longer have that habit in their life the idea that Sundays belong to God and that That is what I do on Sunday, and that's not optional. It's something that is a relatively new concept in religion. Today, people a lot of time, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church, or I'm against organized religion, or I go where the Spirit leads. Uh, uh, We see today that many of the uh, modern churches and the mega churches. I've decided to market church as if you were marketing Walmart or anything else and that is we're going to market convenience we're going to make Christianity as convenient as we can so that you will come to our one-stop mega church then the idea that you're going to adjust your life around your worship we're gonna debt worship and we're gonna let worship be adjusted to your life so here in San Antonio, there are many churches that have Saturday night services now. In fact, they call them Saturday night Sundays. And uh, uh, this is where you can go to church at 6 o'clock on a Saturday night, and you've fulfilled your duty, you've done your obligation, and you're free to, uh, you know, go and do whatever you got to do on Sunday. And, you know, for us to grow up in the Catholic church, that was nothing new. I was not a devoted Catholic, but I knew that if you got Mass out of the way on Saturday night, you, were, you could go drink all you want and have to get up Sunday morning. I didn't understand a lot, but I did pay attention a little in catechism. And uh, I, knew that, I knew that you could fulfill your obligation and get it out of the way. And, and, and I remember getting saved, and I would and tell people, and I would throw that line because they all knew it. I would have never dreamed that this would become the way to do it now in... in, in, in uh, evangelical Christianity that the assembly was no longer a habit formed Sunday mornings belong to God but now it's well this is optional and so Hebrews ten twenty-five,
6: not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching
0: so here we are being warned not to stop assembling ourselves together and fold it into that word of encouragement is that the closer we get to the end, the more we're going to see that habit being lost in many people. Okay? Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but encourage one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. But already, the writer of Hebrews is saying, going back 1,900 years, he's saying that we're already beginning to see this habit being lost in some believers. And they are now forsaking the assembly. And that he said, look down the road. This is going to be a bigger issue. That staying faithful to the assembly is something you and I are going to have to fight for as we move closer and closer towards the end establishing this as a habit in our lives. Hey, anybody want to open it up right here? Mr. Madrano? anybody else? Yes, Dan? Anybody else? All right, Christian. Yes,
1: uh, I'd like to say uh, a on, on habit is one of the most powerful things to have in Christian life uh, for reasons, for reasons that we can uh, relate real close to God. God will show us, even in prayer, who to pray for and who is uh, having problems. Might be uh, financial problems, might be uh, marriage problems. And I pray that when I pray, I ask God, show me, God, what you're doing when I pray. And he shows me. And I tell people that I've been praying for him. And things uh, will come to a very good understanding with God because God is always answering our prayers and we thank God for the wonderful opportunity these days that he's given us to have the habit of prayer and also to have the habit of coming to church. I have come to church not to be, exalt myself or to be high-minded but only when I've had different uh, diseases uh, different pains and discomforts I'm still coming to church and loving it all the time even in doing pain, but I'm doing it for the grace of God that he gave me my life to keep on going forward, keep on being married, keep on encouraging people. And the last thing I want to say right now is that prayer works. I pray in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Christian and somebody else no
7: it was me um one of my happiest memories when I was a kid was um we would go to our grandpa and grandma's in uh, Oregon and they lived in a very real small town called Barlow Oregon and um you know we would go there and then like on Sunday there was like a little community church and they would you know actually ring the bell when um church started and stuff and so um It was really amazing because, you know, uh, a lot of people walked to church and some people would drive. But as you begin to make your way to the church, it was like the whole community was like um, uh, migrating (laughs) to the church. And it really put in a, a desire, it put in a hunger for me, even before I was saved, just that experience and, you know, um, it just uh, touched our heart. And uh, I could see, you know, how today, you know, things are different and stuff. And so, like you say, you know, with um, when we were talking about prayer, how we stay up later and stuff, but there's so many more activities today, too. But, you know, it was really neat because, um, I mean, it was just, um, it wasn't just like a few people going. As you were walking alongside, we, my grandpa and grandma would make us walk to church, but there would be... The sidewalks would be loaded with families. Wow. And they'd just, you know, be ringing the bell and stuff. And, you know, there's the little conversations going back and forth and stuff. And so it was just a real, it was a neat experience. And it put in a desire for, in our hearts to go to church even before I got saved. Later on, I got saved, and it, it all came together.
0: Very good. You know, uh, in England, I believe that only 8% of the white Brits go to church now. 8%. That's how, how much it's fallen off. And, uh, you know, church in England is primarily Afro Caribbean. There are churches everywhere, and you'll see these massive Anglican churches on the corners that are have, you know, 12 people over the age of 70, and, and they'll, they'll sit hundreds. And then you'll go to these colleges, and these Afro Caribbean churches are renting out every lecture room. And there, there'll be seven or eight different churches meeting at any given time. Uh, but these folks no longer go. I and mean, this is the place where Charles Spurgeon once had a building that set 6,000 people. And, uh, and uh, it just completely lost. That, that, that dominion has completely been lost in that society. It's a very, very tragic thing. Don't lose the habit of coming to church. Establish that. Create that path that says, you know, I'm going to be in the house of God because that will inform every other decision uh, that I make in life. When, when that's held open, then, as Dan says, there's a million other options and other things to do and don't see the need for it. You know, I was preaching somewhere years ago, and the, uh, uh, the brother that picked me up said, do you want to stop by and get a cup of coffee uh, on the way to church? And So we went to Starbucks and uh, I went there. Some of you do that in church, but but it was very interesting to me to go there on a Sunday morning, and get a cup of coffee. And you're and I'm looking at the, the Sunday morning Starbucks crowd. These are the non-church goer crowd. They're there on the Sunday morning, and they're just there, read the paper, and and and, and you're just looking at this. And I mean, it just struck me, oh, what a different culture and place that I come from. That Sunday mornings are time to worship God. And, and you realize there might be no sh- a clear line of division, than the, the Sunday morning Starbucks crowd, that Sunday morning, just go read the paper, uh, sheep the breeze, and just, just kind of just sit there and just talk, and, 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 and of all the myriad of differences that I would probably have with these folks, you could probably reduce it down to that one. Sunday mornings belong to God. I'm a worshiper of Jesus Christ. And when I get up on the first day of the week, the first thing, I'm in church. Not because I'm a pastor. Long before I was ever a pastor. Versus people that, that they're not worshipers. Have that habit in your life. Let me close and look at one last one. That's the habit of service. John thirteen four through 15.
6: Jesus got up from supper and laid across his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part of, with me. Simon said, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs, no wash, needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who he was betraying, for the reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he went and washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You called me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord said the teacher, washed your feet, so you also ought to wash one other's feet, for I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you.
0: Uh, see if you can pull up 1 uh, Corinthians 16:15, Brent, real quick. Okay, so we have, as uh, a final thing, and that is develop the habit of service. Service, or serving others, is a habit. Just as prayer can be a habit, coming to church can be a habit, having a habit of serving is something that it's not, becomes not hard to do, but something in you desires to minister and help other people. So we have this picture again of the Lord Jesus who they walk into the Last Supper, and so remember that the custom then of the ancients was that when to, when to show hospitality, when somebody came to your house, their feet needed to be washed. They Remember, they, they had sandals, they didn't have pavement, uh, it was dirt, there was muck, and there were no chairs. I mean, If you remember, people didn't sit in chairs and eat. They, they, sat on the, they laid on the floor, and when you ate, you would kind of recline on the floor, And everybody would have their feet and your feet would be right there at the table and right there next to the person besides you and so custom was that your feet would be washed by the servant in the house well when Jesus and the twelve went in there there were no servants there was the basin there was the towel it was already laid out but uh, as these men approached every one of them would have seen that probably looked for a servant and when no servant was there each of these 12 decided that I am not going to wash these other guys' feet. I'm not going to be that servant and, uh, you, know, you know, whatever it is. It's pride, ego. We want to make sure we, we keep our status or stature. And so Jesus sees this, and so he waits, gives them all an opportunity, and then he does it himself. And he washes their feet, and he says, I did this as an example because Jesus, his habit was to serve is a servant, when there was a need that needed to be met, he wanted to meet that need. He went And he looked and he saw it was not the habit of these men at this time to do that. And so Jesus washes their feet because this is something that is in them. And you will notice when it comes to service that people who have a habit of serving will always feel the need versus others. You don't believe me. Have a fellowship. Maybe after church, whatever, potluck. Maybe we're doing all the different things that we do around here. And and all you got to do is step back and observe, and you will find that there are people, they don't have to be asked. They will immediately start picking up trash, grab a vacuum, start doing things because it's just in them. Just like somebody who says, man, I got to go to prayer meeting. But man, I got to be in it is just in them to serve and to say, I will meet that need. And it's not like, well, you have to, hey, can you do this? And then, here come the eyes, you know. Or they start hiding. There used to be a saying on an outreach, there are people that, it's when it's time to break down, they go find a sinner to witness to. So they don't have to, you know, yeah, you need to get saved. You know, God wants to help you. And as soon as the last piece of equipment, all right, God bless you. Okay. I was with that guy, man, you know. Go ahead and get that verse if you have it. Who wants to read that? Oh, there it is, First Corinthians sixteen fifteen. Anybody want to read that? There? Okay, Tony. No, I'm going a little long, but I got to close up right here.
5: I beseech you, brethren, ye know that the house of Stephanas that it is the firstfruits of Acacia. And that they have addi- addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints.
0: They have addicted themselves. He was an addict. You would have seen he would who had tattoos up one side and down the other. No, he didn't. But he was addicted to the ministry. What he's saying is that him and his family were hooked. They were need meters. They were the first fruits. You know what that means? The first fruits, it means they were one of the early converts of the church. was an old disciple he's one of the guys that in the photo album of the church would have been there in the earliest days as kids were little babies now many years down the road he's a prominent pillar in that church and Paul says this family have addicted themselves this is an addiction this is a habit in them to want to serve and minister and, and do you want to build a habit? Build a habit. Say, so, you know, I, I want to serve. I want to be the one that when an opportunity comes, it's not, you know, the thing, can I do this? Pastor Mitchell, I remember him saying that when he started traveling around the world, he'd ask two questions. Question number one, when he landed somewhere, is, do you want me to go here? Number two is, God, then what can I do? you got to dick yourself to say, I've got to do this. This is not the time. Say, so, well, it's time for me to back out of ministry. You know, and just kind of let the younger people. When it's your habit, you can't do that. Maybe, maybe there are stages in life. Maybe it's a different ministry. But there's something that says, I want to be a need meter. I want to fill." John Henry Jowett, I'm going to wind up with these two thoughts. John Henry Jowett tells the story that he once traveled overseas on a ship. And uh, he said when he was, uh, went down into the hold, his sleeping quarter was a piece of wood. Plywood with a sheet over it. He was very sick, very seasick, and he was just miserable. And he's on this, and so he's so sick that he goes up uh, to get some fresh air, try to get a handle on himself. And he feels a little better, and he goes back down to the hold. Uh, and there, sleeping on his bed, is another sailor, sound asleep. And it's kind of awkward they didn't know what to do uh, and so he excuse me and the man just said go to my bed uh, don't bother me and so John Henry Jow went to the man's bed and lo and behold it was a very comfortable mattress and he fell right to sleep and he slept well he woke up refreshed the next morning feeling a little bit guilty that this man slept on his plywood and he slept on this man's comfortable uh, mattress and so he went to this man and said sir you, you switched beds with me in the middle of the night and you allowed me to sleep on your comfortable bed. Why did you do it? The man responded and he said, I saw that you were sick and sleeping on a board and I knew you wouldn't accept my offer for a trade. So I waited till you got up to trade your bed so you would have a chance to sleep. Gowat was puzzled and then the man went on and said, I am a missionary in Africa on furlough. I saw you were sick and uncomfortable and I just wanted to help. And Jowett made the point, he said, that here's this man. He's been a missionary in Africa because he's addicted to the ministry. So now coming back, totally different set of circumstances, doesn't matter. I just want to serve. When, when, you, when this is a habit, it's not because you've got a title. not because you carry a position. It's just something in you just says, I just want to, how can I help? We're gonna finish with this poem, and then next week we'll begin with our conference classics. Here's the poem. Here you got this. Uh, do we have it? All right. It is mighty hard to shake me. It in, in my brawny arms I take thee. I can either make or break thee. I am habit. Through each day I slowly mold thee. Soon my tightening chains enfold thee. That it is with ease. I hold thee. I am habit. I can be both good and vile. I can even be worth your while, or the cause of your bitter cry. I am habit. Oft I prove myself a pleasure, prove myself a priceless treasure, or a meanness past all measure. I am habit. Harmless though I sometimes be, yet my strange force is like a magnet, like a great and greedy dragnet. I am habit. Though you sometimes fear or doubt me, no one yet has lived without me. I am present all about thee. I am habit. Choose me well when you are starting. Seldom is an easy parting. I'm a devil or a darling. I am habit. All right, we're going to start in a few minutes. The so Lord bless you.